Welcome to another episode of Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain, and with me is Ulrich Purcell. Good morning, good morning. I want to jump right into it. I, have, I want to put you on the hot seat for a second. Okay. <laughs> um, I already warned you I was going to ask you about brother versus strange thing. So before I ask you questions, I want you to just at least lay the groundwork for everyone else. How did Strange Thing do? That's your last short film. How did that do it? Like festivals and with online views, interest from agents, et cetera, et cetera. Just give me the stats on how that film did. All right. Well, I submitted to somewhere around 60 to 70 film festivals. I got into 20, won maybe three awards, but mostly from the smallest online film festivals. I didn't win at any of the big film festivals or the bigger of the film festivals I got into. When I launched online, I got 25,000 in the first week or so. And then um, months, months later, like eight months later, I got another article written about the film or the film was mentioned in the article, I should say. And then that got another 10,000 hits. So now I'm at like 45,000 or something after, you know, eight months. Okay, 45,000 now. Awesome. And you said that you didn't you don't feel like it was hugely successful. What do you wish had happened differently? Well, I think if I got into like maybe one or two bigger film festivals than the ones I got into, you know, like that would have helped. Like what a lot. are some of those ones? Like name name some names. Okay, name names. I want you to name the names. Um, name the names. <laughs> Tell me all the film festivals you wanted to get into that you didn't make it in. Come on, all right. Well, like, be honest. So the big ones that I didn't get into that would have really made a difference, I think, um, were like Fantasia, Fantastic Fest, um, Shriek Fest, Scream Fest, or the Austin Film Festival. Um, or even South by Southwest, but that's almost like a pie in the sky one at this point. How about agents? So did anybody with all the views that you've gotten with the film festivals that it's played at, have you got any interest from agents or producers or anyone about you as a filmmaker? Yeah, no, no agents reached out to me. I didn't get a chance to meet any agents. So let's go now to brother, which is your latest short film and you're just about done editing it. And I saw on Twitter, you started submitting to a few film festivals, right? Yeah. Out of necessity yeah. for the, the due okay. dates, but yeah. Right. So now that you're looking at Brother and you kind of know what kind of movie it is and you're comparing it to Strange Thing, I want you to make a guess about how well you think it's going to do and if you think it's going to beat Strange Thing. It's hard to say, but I, I think it's got a stronger chance of getting into those film festivals that I didn't get into, or at least some of them, uh, for Strange Thing. And is your goal with this one to kind of beat what you did with Strange Thing and fulfill the the marks that you missed on that one not necessarily like I, I don't need a higher film festival count or anything like that i'm not trying to just rack it up uh, as another filmmaker <laughs> described it to me one time uh, rack it up. yeah like because that doesn't i mean i think it's nice you know like there's lots of you, you can get into 60 film festivals you can get into 40 film festivals if you apply to the right amount of film festivals you can get into as many as you want that's not really my goal my goal is to get into the right ones and then once it's in put it online right away so like like whenever it premieres at a film festival put it online the same day and then at the same time do a marketing push for the online release you know or some sort of publicity push and so hopefully when it hits at this film festival and hopefully it's a bigger name film festival it'll also go out online and i hope that within the first week or so that I have somewhere around 100,000 hits okay so your your main goal is really to just get more online hits on this film yeah it's less about festivals yeah so that's why you you cast capone in it because you wanted more of a name that had followers that would drive traffic to your film yeah and and because when i saw his stand-up like i don't know if you've seen his stand-up but he's like out of control um he's so funny and, and, and he does all these crazy voices and he's over the top and he does these amazing looks on stage that like read when you're in an audience and it's, it's unbelievable. And I saw that online and I was like, man, imagine if this guy was like reserved and like calm and cool and like <laughs> yeah, just something completely different from who people know him as. Yeah. And so I just I like saw something in him that and it also it's funny, but I, I wrote this about my brother in law in a lot of ways. And, you know, they're completely different people. But there's something about Capone that reminds me of my brother in law. 
So I was like, oh, I, I just saw it. It just I just saw it watching like 10 clips online. And then he just happened to be here in the Bay Area. He's like a New York based comedian. And I was like, OK, well, I got to go and try. And then it all just worked out, you know, which is really funny. <laughs> let's go back to how you think Brother is going to perform. We kind of touched on it, but let's just make it like super clear and distilled. So your goal with Brother is to get 100,000 hits in the first week. Uh, yeah. And then out of that, what do you hope is going to happen? So I'm trying to find out what your goals are, what you, how you think it's going to do. So when the time comes, I want to see how what, how well you matched your expectations and how well the film does. Yeah, I don't necessarily feel like if it gets 100,000 hits or whatever that like the floodgates are going to open and that I'm going to get all kinds of you know contact from agents or managers or producers or whatever. Like I don't think that's going to happen by any means. Um, but basically, if I do have that 100,000 hits in a, in a week or so or something, like basically anything more than what Strange Thing has, um, then it'll be a success because then I can go to people and be like, look at my growth. Like, I just want to be able to show growth as a filmmaker. Like, that's the most important thing, because if I can show that I did this short film that had this many hits, this short film that had this many hits and this, if I can show like yeah. that arc, I think that's going to that's going to be what's going to set me apart from everyone else. Like reaching out to agents or managers or whatever, you know? That's what I expected that was your goal, and that's always the goal, right? Just to get a little bit better on each one. Yeah. So now that we're talking about, like, the positive goals, I kind of want you to look back at Brother, how you made it, and talk about some of the mistakes you feel like you made. And I want, like, oh. really specific examples. Like, what are some things that you're regretting right now? Okay. Um, and are there a lot of them? Well, regretting, yeah, there's like really small things that I'm like regretting, um, you know, but that I'd rather not specifically say because they're just so <laughs> stupid and small that like I'm the only one who notices them. Um, but um, that's okay though. This is it's not about. I think what the what this question comes from is when you make a movie, there's always something that's bothers you about it. There's, I, I don't know if anybody makes a movie and it's like a hundred percent, like they're proud of every decision that's made. So no matter how big or small, I think it's more just about the common experience of regretting something, even if it's a tiny little thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm worried to say the things that I regret about it because then if people listen to this and then they watch the movie, they'll be looking for those things <laughs> and then they'll be like, Oh yeah, he's right. That sucks. But if I don't say anything, then they might not even notice. So, um, I read so like, you're trying to fool the audience is what you're saying. Well, I just don't want my insecurities of the film to be in the viewers mind when they watch it, I guess. Is well, what I'm let me put to it say. to you this way. I think there's only like 15 people listening to this podcast. I know, so but, but what I don't if, think what, you're, but Timothy, like, what if, uh, what if it blows up? Yeah. What, no, what if, like, you know, strange, uh, brother gets like a ton of hits or whatever, and then this podcast is out there, and then, you know, it's, oh, how the making of brother. And it's like, oh, yeah, I hated all these things. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> this is know. what I told you about, though, in episode one. Aren't you worried about being honest? I think we have to be completely honest for this to work. And I totally understand your fear because I have the same fears about some of the stuff we're talking about. But, at the same time, you got to say like, fuck it. This is our, this is our deepest insecurities about stuff. And that's the only way this podcast is going to work. If we hold back and we don't talk about stuff, then it's just the same as any other interview you hear. And it's just all the positive stuff and none of the negative stuff. And we're just glossing over what it really is to be an independent filmmaker and what those struggles are. And I think that's a big part of the struggle. So it's up to you whether you want to talk about it or not. But from my perspective, it's kind of necessary if we're if this is ever going to work. Yeah, but you know, you never hear a filmmaker in in an interview talk about how how terrible this part of the movie was and how they wish exactly. they could reshoot it. You know, that's why I want this to be different. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Well, it's not that I thought anything was terrible. It's just. You know, now having the hindsight of what it looks like on film, like I would have probably reshot some stuff a little bit differently. All right, here we go. I'm just going to ask you a specific one because <laughs> okay. I've seen your movie. Sure. I helped you in reading drafts of your screenplay. Uh, I've been watching several uh, rough cuts. And there's a scene at the very beginning of your movie that you wrote into the screenplay, which I thought was great. 
that really worked. And then when I saw it shot, I didn't like it at all. And now it's not even in the movie. So can you talk about that first scene? You had kind of like an opening scene that helped set kind of the tone of the movie that's now gone. Are you going to keep it out? How do you feel about it at this point? Yeah, that's kind of a heartbreaker because I love that scene and I thought the performances were really good and I, I love, you know, the way it's shot and everything about it. But it's, it is very clear now that um, it's more confusing than it is enhancing of the story, you know, like it's sort of like I tried to be vague and like hinting at some things but in this in the end it just came off as like what where do you think it went wrong because i felt like it was working in the screenplay but i don't think it worked when i saw it on screen where do you put the fault i don't know what would i do it's really hard to say man like that's sort of the problem with me in editing is like if i knew how to make this perfect i would just make it perfect you know um (laughs) but i don't know that answer so that's why you you reach out to people and you show them rough cuts and you uh you try to to workshop it and luckily for me I have a really good producer who's there like sort of you know holding my hand and sifting through all my notes with me and like saying yes no like okay I agree with you on this no maybe you should reconsider this I had a very clear idea of how I wanted this this film to start and I think that decision was wrong or maybe it just it's confusing and if I had done it differently even just started on a different part of the conversation, then it would make a lot more sense. But I decided to start like sort of at the climax. And I think that was probably confusing. Um, in the uh, end. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably the clearest way to describe it is that I start the movie on the climax of a conversation and the way that comes off is wrong or just does. It just comes off as weird and odd and disorienting and people don't really know what's going on. And I don't, that's okay sometimes, but I think in this situation where I'm trying to set up certain information, um, that it's, it's just doesn't work. So Timothy, what's going on with you, man? <laughs> I have a small little thing written down here. I'm actually feeling pretty good right now because I was feeling a little overwhelmed earlier this week and last week. I just had so much stuff in my head and all these things that I had to do. And so I turned to my good old friend, the to-do list. I made a nice to-do list this week that has something to do every single day. Actually, a few little tasks every day, and I started hating it. And uh, I'm just knocking things off that list, and I no longer feel overwhelmed. So it makes me feel like I have everything under control, and I'm, I'm getting things done one at a time, which is great. Nice. I wish I had That's a to-do it. list. Gosh. You should make one. I know. What's wrong with me? Can't do Anytime it. I feel overwhelmed, if I make a to-do list, I feel so much better about things. Yeah, I did it when I was an AD on a feature. I did a to-do list every day after the shoot, you know, and that really helped because it was like a thing, a list of things that had to happen before the next shoot day or before I went to bed. Um, and that was useful. And then I did that the same thing um, when I was a rentals manager. I used to like leave my work and before I left, I would make a list of the things I had to do the next day. Um my list was just scribbles on a paper, but it still, it still helped me, you know, but, uh, but I don't, yeah. I don't really do I, them anymore. I think for me also, it helps break down a bigger task into smaller ones. So this kind of goes right into our topic of discussion about what steps we're taking to make a feature film. So if you put on your to-do list, like I want to make a feature film, well, Great. How do you get there, though? You have to break that into smaller tasks in order to reach your, that objective, <laughs> is right? That, is that literally so, on your to-do list, make a feature? It's No, no, it's not like that, though. But I mean, <laughs> I have I have like a to-do list of things that I want to do. It's like, um, you know, reach out to bands and direct a music video, like uh, make a feature, get a job as a commercial director, you know, like mm. those are kind of like the, the top lines of each of those sections. And then underneath it are like the little things that I need to do to get reach that goal oh cool the to-do list to me is like okay what little thing can i do on monday that'll help me get closer to making a feature so is it reaching back out to some producers that i'm in contact with about a script is it finding a script is it writing a script is it uh, meeting up with somebody you know whatever it is like I, i just have to like do something that brings me closer to that goal um, so the to-do to-do to list helps me just break it down into smaller steps. 
So what is on your to-do list of making a feature film? What what does it say right now, currently? Let's see. Let me open it up. There are two producers that I'm talking to about a feature script that they have. I sent them an email about three weeks ago. They said, thanks for sending. We're just about to jump into a, a film shoot. We'll get back to you. And I have to follow up with them this week and see if I can get back in touch. Steps to making a feature film for me. I mean, the feature film has always been the goal for me, but at the same time, I've known a few filmmakers that have made a feature film and that was it. They were done. They did nothing else. But for me, it's it's not just about making a feature film, but about making a career for myself. So the steps that I feel like I'm taking uh, are also kind of wrapped up in making this a full-time job for myself. So I think that changes my goals a, a little bit because I think some people will you know, do whatever they can to make that first feature and maybe do it for like $15,000 all on their own. Whereas I'm like, I want it to be uh, a $2 million feature so at least I can get paid for it. You know, I can like at least have some salary and I can quit my job and live my life and not worry about things. It's kind of where my head's been at for a long time. That'll probably change. Yeah. Well, if you can do that, <laughs> more power to you. But I mean, it seems like, Having listened to a lot of uh, people talk about making films and even people who are made films that are like distributed and out in the world or whatever, like it's, it's, that's not really that, that's not really the reality. It's like, you know, oh, you, yeah, you have sure. to just, you know, blood, sweat and tears to make it happen, you know? Um, oh yeah. But, uh, but it's interesting, but, but I want to know more about this approach, like more about what what other things are you doing and 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 how do you in, like how do you envision your 2 million dollar or 1 million dollar movie happening Coming, what's your yeah, yeah, vision yeah, of it right you don't have one well no i do have one oh, i do cool. have one and it's like it's always been like all right what's what if what am i waiting for like why don't i just go and make my feature right and i think i kind of already said this it's about the money or the right opportunity i i talked about this in another podcast where the problem that I have is I'm not writing stories that I can do for $15,000. That's not my strong suit and it never has been. And I've God, believe me, I've tried to write that script, but it's just not in me. So knowing what I am good at and the kind of things that I do want, kind of what I've been doing is a series. It's been a series of making something and putting it out there getting a response from people and kind of gauging where I'm at. So since I graduated college, I've written seven feature length screenplays and made six short films kind of in pursuit of this goal. So let me just go through the failed attempts that I've made so far, because I think that'll help kind of set the stage about what I've done to this point, And then we can talk about what I'm doing. Got it. You go. I'll try to make this as quick as possible too. So it doesn't get too boring. <laughs> we'll just cut it out. <laughs> yeah. So like right out of college, I did the whole like sending query letter things. I had a screenplay that I graduated with. Um, I got one response back from an agent who said, Hey, you're a really good writer. This screenplay is not there yet, but here's some ideas to help you get it to the next level. I was like, awesome. I'm going to make it. I just need to write the screenplay and get it back to her. So I spent a few months rewriting it. I sent it back to her. She emailed me back and said, hey, I left the agency. I'm a script consultant now. If you want to pay me to read your screenplay, I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> okay, dead end. <laughs> oh, um, no. So then I wrote two more screenplays after that point, did the whole query letter thing again, no responses. So then I, uh, about a year after those two screenplays, I got a little PR buzz in a magazine uh, based off of my job as a commercial producer. And in that article, I said, I want to be a filmmaker and I have a few screenplays if anyone's, in, any, anyone's interested. And I heard from an agent and a director based off of that article. I sent him my screenplay. It didn't really go anywhere. So then I made some short films. And after I made Man's Best Friend, um, then I decided to kind of change my tactic. I was like, forget this whole query letter agent thing. It's less about the agent and more about like making an opportunity for myself. So then I asked a commercial rep I work with to introduce me to some people. She introduced me to an agent 
into Simon West producer. Simon West is the director of uh, Tomb Raider. And so I was able to get on the phone with them. They looked at my reel and they said, yeah, your reel's not there yet. If you want to direct a feature, you need better stuff. So that led me to Spirit Machine, which is why Spirit Machine became so big because it was like, well, man, if, if man's best friend's not good enough, I got to like reach a lot higher. So the past uh, four years, I guess it's been, it's all been just trying to build my reel so I can go back out there and share it with some more people and see if I can get some traction. Because so far up until this point, everything I've shared has not, not been good enough. I haven't really been able to get people interested in it. So it's about doing something so good that people can't ignore me anymore. So now I've made Spirit Machine, Loan, and I just made Over My Dead Body. Um, oh, and I also spent like a little bit of time just telling people I'd work for them for free. Just contacting directors and saying, I'll write a screenplay for you for free. Just give me an idea. And that only worked once. One director gave me a chance to write a screenplay. Um, he's a, a local guy that I used to work with that made a feature film and he's been talking about his second feature for probably like 10 years now. And I was like, dude, what's going on? Why don't you just get that, your next movie made? And he said, oh, cause I haven't written the screenplay. So I said, well, let me write it. And so he let me write it. And then that didn't go anywhere. Huh. Interesting. So it's, you know, I think my technique has just been like, make something, put it out there, get a response. If the response is kind of cold you're not getting a lot of excitement around it, make something else. Well, what about the Corey letter idea now? Like, it feels like you've had many more scripts you've written and like, you could probably send them like two to three good samples you're proud of. And then you also have, yeah, six short films you've made. I think now if you set out Corey letters, agents and managers might have a different response to you, you know? Maybe, maybe I've kind of got it in my head and we'll talk about this when we get to our next episode, which is going to be about agents. I kind of want to survive as long as I can without an agent. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. And Interesting I feel like perspective. The, I don't feel like the query letter thing works. That's kind of, that's been my technique. I don't know if it's the right one. I think you, my advice for people is probably just figure out what works for you. I think there's a million ways to get a feature film made. Um, and like we said before, if you're the kind of person that has a script that you can go make for $15,000 in an iPhone, dude, just go do that. Really? Right. I think well, so. I that's think kind of counterintuitive to what you said earlier about like, you know, you don't want to be that guy making a movie for $15,000 that you want to. That's me. That's, that's you? me. That's okay. not everyone else. I think every, everyone has to make their own path. Robert Rodriguez made a movie for 7,000 bucks and got an agent. So yeah, it's a who am I to time, say though. that you have to make a $2 million movie? That's just the path that I, I feel like I need to take and the world that I live in. But that's not doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. And it could end up killing me in the end. It could be something that kills my career. Yeah, You, I think, have like your you're probably your goals are more realistic than mine. How about you? Like, what are the steps that you're taking to make your first feature? Well, for me, it's it's less about that finding of the right budget for my feature or trying to, you know, work on a certain tier of film for my first feature. It's more like, you know, I have this one script I've written. I haven't really written anything else and I love it to death and I want to get this movie made however I can get this movie made. And that's sort of where I'm at right now. And I'd love it to be a million dollar movie. Basically I want to go in there realistically and sort of approach it. Like what's 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 the lowest amount of money I can make this movie for where it's so it, it can make the most money back and it still be what I want it to be. And I guess it sort of depends on who I get to be in it. It makes a big difference. Like if I get like a B-level star or a C-level star to be in it, then maybe it needs to be a bigger budget movie to like satisfy them. But if it's just unknown actors, I mean, this thing could be made for for very little, but I would like it. Like I think the lowest number I would want would be somewhere in the $100,000 range, you know, because I think that's enough where you can actually get a good crew. You know, you're probably not paying them right, but at least you get a good crew to come out. It's all about the right team and the right people, right? So it's funny, like just hearing myself talk right now, $100,000 with the wrong producer is nothing. It's like terrible. But with the right producers, $100,000 can go a long way, you know? And I think 
that that's sort of a new realization I had recently because I just worked on this feature and um, watching those producers work. I mean, they're absolutely amazing. And 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 they're like not only thinking about how to make the best movie, but they're already selling it before they even shoot, you know, and it's like that's the kind of producer you want who's like just completely ingrained in the film in every way possible and is willing to die for the movie, basically. Not not literally die for it, but, like, you know, they, they, they know they're going to be spending the next four years with the movie selling it, you know? So, like... Yeah. Like, and I think if you can find those people who believe in your project and who want to take that on, that's more valuable than anything else in the world. If those specific producers came to me and they said, we only need $50,000 to make your movie, I would just believe them because... I've seen them do it before and I see how good they are. That's what I'm more interested in now is like partnering partnering with people who I trust and who I like and who are like smart and just fun to work with. And I think that's sort of what I'm looking for now more than anything. How are you doing that? You're writing a screenplay and then how are you going to find somebody to team up with? Well, I mean, I sort of like fell into knowing these producers just through um, working on their movie, you know? So, I mean... I'm not saying that they're going to want to make my movie or anything, but I'm definitely going to send them the script. Um, and then I think what the if they say no, then what's your next step? Oh, well, I'm sure they'll have a good reason. And hopefully that'll, that reason will inform me on how to make the movie better. And then I'll take it to another set of producers, you know, or um, Where are you going to meet these producers? <laughs> well, I mean, I think um, more than, more than where I'm going to meet the producers. The thing I'm worrying about is, what materials am I going to have to, to, to show them? You're really good at this, putting together like a lookbook for a feature and, and uh, setting that off and, you know, using that to, to try to sell the movie. And so I've, I'm in that process with my script right now, the alternate. I have um, a bunch of concept art that's been drawn and um, I'm working on a poster and I have some some promotional stills. Not really promotional stills. They're more like concept stills that were made that we can use to make um, some sort of digital um concept art i guess is what what it really is um mm -hmm. but it's all not finished right now like i basically have a concept artist that i'm working with and he's got a full-time job so we're just sort of working on it together and how are you going to find other producers to produce your screenplay once you're done with it well you have one contact right now that's great but you're gonna need more because you might have to Ask 100 people to get one yes. Well, I know some other producers. Um, I have some other contacts in L.A. and around at production companies and people who work in, in production. So what I'll do is once I have my lookbook together and my script to a point where I love it and there's like nothing else I want to change about it and I think it's bulletproof, which right now it's not quite bulletproof. But when I get to that position, then I'm just going to take it to everybody that I know. So... Anyone that I've ever talked to who I have some sort of connection to or relation to, I'm just going to send them. Uh, well, I won't send them the stuff right away because that's always a bad decision. I'll just send them an email and say, hey, I have this project that I'm trying to get funded. I'm trying to make. I'm looking for a producing partner or producers to help me get this f this film um, going. You know, can I send you my, my materials? And then if they say yes, then I'll send them the lookbook and the script, or maybe even just the lookbook first and then the script later. Um, I'm not really exactly yeah, so sure how to do we that. We pretty much have the same technique that you make something that you feel is ready to share with the world. You're, you're going to have a screenplay and a lookbook, and then you send it to everybody that you possibly can, and then you wait for their response. You're being very positive right now, and you're kind of assuming that somebody's going to say yes, but it could also be a very real thing that all those people say, nope, not good enough, it's, you're not ready, and then you're going to have to hit the drawing board again, and then what are you going to do? Are you going to just be like, well, fuck it, I'm going to go make this feature myself, I'm going to crowdfund it and go do it myself, or are you going to go make a, a, another short, or are you going to decide that you just need to, to write a different script? That's kind of the path that I've been going down for the past 10 years is you put it out, and if you get a bunch of negative responses, you have to make another step. So have you thought about what your next step would be? If it, You probably haven't. You probably haven't thought that far, but just <laughs> think about it for a second. If all these people that you reach out to say, no, it's not good enough, then what do you do? Well, so I, I, I kind of have a little bit thought about that. Like I already have a okay, producer that, um, that has read the script and really likes it. And 
he's a great guy and he's amazing and he's he's done a lot of producing of commercials and corporate videos but he hasn't really produced um a feature yet or anything Mm -hmm. you know so he's expressed interest on doing it together and like we producing and and directing it and then me directing it you know um so i basically if i can't get somebody who's already established who's made multiple movies or a movie to get involved with a project then it'll be going to a guy like that who i think regardless i'd probably like to be part of the project if he's interested but you know even if we we do work with another producer i'd still want him to come on and, and and either be a producer or assistant director or something but um but yeah like it would basically us doing it together you know and th- and that would mean like you know just trying to raise the money ourselves trying to get this cast attached ourselves sitting the lookbook out to agents and managers of the talent that we want to get to attach and just like completely just putting ourselves out there and going on a limb and i mean i know that's not necessarily easy and definitely not guaranteed to work but i mean if you hit the phone long enough i think you can definitely get somewhere you know um so basically if if if, if i can't get anyone to take me seriously if i can't get any traction going through like the route that the you that you're you're referring to like going through producers or um you know finding an agent or or something or a production company um then yeah then i'm gonna do it by myself and and if that goes leads me down the road of doing Kickstarter and crowdfunding, then yeah, I will do that. But ba- basically, the way I'm approaching it is I'm gonna do anything I can to get it made, and it, it doesn't really matter. Like I just I'm gonna make this movie. Like I love it and I want to make it and I believe in it so much that I'm just gonna do whatever I can to make it. And the biggest hurdle for anybody though, for both of us, is always gonna be money. So whether you're trying to raise two hundred thousand or two million dollars, you're still having to raise money, and so it's more about who do you have access to. I feel like I set the one to two million dollar mark because that's what people told me they think that they can get for me. So we'll, when when we're ready, we'll talk about who I'm talking to right now about a feature film. <laughs> had I not had those conversations, I might not have that in my head, and I might be more of like, well, I'm just gonna figure out how I can make a movie on my own, but. I already have people interested, so that one to two million to me seems the same level of doability as your $200,000 budget. It's still going to be just as hard. It's not money I have in the bank. It's not something that I can do myself. I'm relying on other people. So I think there's two ways to pursue a feature in my head, which is a way that you can do it yourself. You do $15,000 iPhone film. Which I think most people can figure out a way to get $15,000 from family, friends, or crowdfunding. Or you do something that's out of your budget range that you're going to need partners to come in and help get it funded and figure it out. So I think that both you and I are on the exact same path. We're pursuing projects that neither of us can fund ourselves that we're going to need some help with. Yeah, well... just. Just to tell, just to tell you a, a little story about a friend of mine who made a feature, because we both seem to have friends who've made features. Um, but he did it when he was nineteen, or I think that's what he started, and I think he directed it when he was twenty. But anyways, he was able to raise sixty thousand dollars, and he basically did the Sam Raimi approach, like the you know uh, doctors, dentists sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, he raised it, and uh, he made his movie. So I'm not saying what he did was easy, but I feel like, you know, if you really want it, you can you can find the money. Like you can find $50,000 for a film, you know, if you really really put your put your mind to it and just, you know, put your your head down and and just do it, you know. Yeah, I mean if you break it down into increments of 5,000 or $10,000, you can easily just think about how many people you need to find that can fund that. So, let's say you have a $50,000 movie, you need either a f- five people giving $10,000 each or you need 10 people giving $5,000 each. That seems totally doable, especially if you know enough people that have enough that kind of money to gamble on. And if they really believe in you, I don't think it's a huge ask for them to to put that money up, especially if they're your friends or family or friends of family, I could easily imagine that the problem is, is that not every film can be shot for $50,000, right? That some films 
require a big a bigger budget so it's a matter of having a script that you feel like you can pull off for that amount i know a guy that's been making micro budget films for the past i think five years all like around i think he started at like ten thousand, and he's worked himself up to like eighty thousand now but he's kind of stuck in that world he's stuck in a micro budget world straight to video no theatrical release kind of thing if you're happy doing that dude awesome kudos to you but that's not what i want I want like that Sundance award-winning film that gets released out into the world. So like I'm setting my sights a little higher because I want that kind of, that's my vision for what my career is going to look like. And maybe eventually I'll, I'll, I'll stop thinking about that and, and ch take a smaller film just to get the experience or because I don't think it's going to hurt my career, but that's not where I'm at right now, you know? Yeah, and that kind of goes into this thing that a lot of people have told me about um, this whole like first feature thing where like your first feature is really special and like you kind of don't want to blow your wad on something that isn't doesn't define you as an artist, you know? So if you just direct a, a feature that is like whatever, you know, just some sort of, um, you know, crummy, low budget direct a video thing that's never going to get seen by anybody then that's like doing you a disservice as an artist. Um, I don't know exactly how I feel about that because like, you know, James Cameron famously directed Piranha 2 as his first movie. Totally. Um, yeah. And if, you know, if Roger Corman offered me a movie for $100,000 and a script, I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm in. But that's not what I'm getting and that's not the kind of scripts that I have. It's like I'm, I'm pursuing the opportunities that are in front of me, you know? So... I don't know. Did James Cameron was working in the special effects department for Roger Corman when he got that that job, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's not like he went to Roger Corman and said, "Hey, man, I really want to direct a low budget horror film." I think he said, "Hey, I, he probably had Terminator." I'm, I'm assuming and said, "I want to direct this movie." And Roger Corman said, "Well, I'm not going to give you that movie, but I'll give you Piranha Two, and you can direct that." <laughs> hmm. Interesting. The thing that I'm I'm just trying to, to believe in, and I mean, this is going to be really funny to, for you to hear because you've basically been doing this for 10 years, is like, you know, I got a movie I need to, I want to make, and I'm just going to make it. And whatever stands in my way, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just going to get my movie made. You know, like, that's sort of where I'm, my brain is at. And, um, you know, part of the reason why is because... I, I believe in it deeply, you know? And then the other reason is because when I ask people how they got their movie made, that's the answer they give me is they, they said, because they didn't let anything stop them. You know, like there was a million reasons not to make the movie, but they just made it anyways. And, uh, you know, like whatever budget they had, they either had a certain amount and they just made it for that, or they had a certain amount. And then as they were making their movie, their producer was able to get them more money and, figure out ways to increase the budget and then it just grew, you know? Um, so I don't know. I kind of believe in this like train, once the train gets running, you know, like then people are going to jump on board. Like I think that idea is real, you know? So I'm sort of trying to start the train basically with the release of brother. Like, you know, and I think that's sort of a smart thing is like when you have a short film that comes out, you can sort of, you know, if it gets enough attention and people love it, the first question they're going to ask you is like, well, what do you got next? You know, like, what's your next project? You know, and if I have that already in motion, I think it'll really, really make it an easier sell for people. Yeah, I it's, I don't think it's funny what you're saying. I think that's awesome and realistic. And I've definitely felt that way at times over the past 10 years that I've been trying to do this. But it's not it's not always that easy. There's going to be obstacles and hurdles that are going to get in your way, and hopefully you can solve them and figure it out. But you might find that you can't make your movie. That's a very real possibility that you just won't be able to solve it. So I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just trying to tell you the realities of that. Just because you have that drive and the ambition doesn't mean you're going to succeed. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it it could be the day the the, the day will come where I have to do just admit and like put the alternate away and say, Hey, I'm never going to make this movie. I hope that day doesn't come, but maybe that will happen. No, I'm you just, know? I'm not, I'm not trying to say that you should do anything right now. I'm not trying to give you advice. I'm just trying to tell you that I'm trying, I'm speaking more to the audience that 
just because you have that drive and the ambition to make that feature doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to happen. Yeah. And then the other thing um, uh, I'll say <laughs> to just counter that <laughs> is that, um, you know, failure is only comes when you stop. Like you, you're not going to ever fail until you stop. Like, I don't know. I think there's a better way of saying this, but like, you know, if, if you, if you keep on going, you're never, you never, you're never going to lose. Not to say that you should just like try to raise money for a movie for years and years and years and it never go anywhere, but you can just make it happen if you just keep on trying. So from, from your outside point of view, looking at me, I know you don't know me like extremely well, but from what you see, what would your advice be to me to get a feature made or to even just kickstart my career as a feature filmmaker? Well, I mean, you seem to have a very, you know, um, clear goal of what you want to do as a filmmaker and how you want to make your first movie. Um, but my advice would be just take an opportunity. Like if someone says to you that they have a $500,000 movie that they want you to direct and, and you think the script is decent, then you should just direct it, you know? Absolutely. Um, I'm totally on board for that. That No one has said that to me yet, though. But do you think that because because right now my sets my sights are set kind of at that two million dollar range that's kind of what I'm looking for out in the world that I'm looking for that opportunity and of course if something smaller comes I'm going to take it I've I've already committed that any feature film that somebody offers me for the most part I mean I have to feel like I I can do a good job with it I'm going to take but yeah. Should I set? Should I go out and try to find those feature films? Should I try to find a thirty thousand dollar feature film or a hundred thousand dollar feature film, or should I just keep the path that I'm going and just be open to a different opportunity if it comes along? Well, I guess what I would say to you, it was the same thing I would say to anybody: find the project that you're most passionate about. And like, it sounds like you've written all these scripts, but it doesn't sound like any one of them is something that you're really, really excited about right now. And it also sounds like the stuff that you've written from previous conversations um, isn't doable at $500,000 or $100,000. They're all like bigger budget movies. I guess my advice would be to, to either write or find something that you are absolutely in love with that you think is the best thing in the whole damn world that you can make somewhere between the hundred and five hundred thousand dollar range like somewhere in there and then just go out and try to make that movie because with with all your experience and um you know your savvy and your connections paired with the enthusiasm and passion behind a single project i think you'll be unstoppable so that would be my advice is like just get really passionate about something and, and go out and try to get that made, you know, but that's just because that's yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I haven't, I haven't found, I actually found one low budget script that I really, really, really liked. And unfortunately it was already optioned by a few producers. And so I, I lost out on it. I haven't seen another low budget script since then that I like as much as that one. So the, I have two scripts right now that I'm pursuing on the feature film side, one of them actually came about because of that other script that I found. It was called The Guest. And um, I was working with a, a local producer. They said they could raise a million dollars for me to direct something. And so we found the script and I was like, this is it. Let's go get it. So we tried to get it. The producers, um, there's already producers attached. The writer said, sorry. But I was able to meet with the producers and they said, hey, this script is not available, but we have some other ones that you might be interested in. And so I read a few of the scripts and I found another one that I really liked. And they were kind of the same story. Like, hey, we might be able to raise money for you to direct this, but first you have to go finish your short film so we can talk the writer into coming on board. So that's what I've been working on for the past few years is getting Spirit Machine done, but also directing a few other shorts. So I have Loan and Over My Dead Body that... Now I've gone back to those guys with the lookbook and my my new short films and said, hey, I'm ready. Let's go talk to the writer and let's see if we can get something going. So knock on wood, that's going to happen. And then simultaneously, I I was convinced in my head about a year ago that I just needed to get a production coordinator on my side. So if I were ever to get the money to make a movie, I could just like hit the ground running. 
And so I asked um, the casting director that I work with on Spirit Machine if she knew any production coordinators. I actually found one that worked on San Andreas. And I said, can you introduce me to her? Because the casting director had done some casting for San Andreas. And she goes, well, she's really busy right now, but I have a, f- a really good friend of mine, Debbie, who's a production coordinator. You should meet with her. So I sat down with Debbie over lunch and it was a totally different conversation than I imagined we'd be having. She ended up being a real producer both a production coordinator and a producer and she is like I want to I want to produce one of your projects like what else do you got and so we were talking back and forth with some ideas that I had all of them ended up being too big and she says let's just focus on like one to two million dollars and I pitched her uh, a short film that I had read from a writer and said why don't we make this into a feature she says I love that so I'm working with this writer now on a feature screenplay of his short that she's attached to as a producer in the one to two million dollar range so I have those two things that I'm really excited about um, that could potentially turn into something but right now it's all just talk cool you're not uh, talking about legendary Bay Area producer Debbie Brubaker, are you? Debbie Brubaker, you know her? <laughs> yeah, she's she's uh you know she's one of the biggest producers in the Bay Area. She's constantly making movies, and I think she unit production manages films too. Um, but yeah, I've actually had coffee with her as well, and I and she was the one who told me if I wanted to um uh, you know be a director that I should be a script supervisor. So she was the one who gave me that advice. Oh, amazing. Yeah. She's great. And who knows? Like maybe nothing will come out of it, but I feel like I'm at least pursuing some stuff that feels like, you know, gives me some, um, some direction to go in. And, you know, these, both of these ideas could totally fizzle out and die and uh, Debbie loses interest or these other producers can't get the writer attached. Like, who knows? We'll, We'll keep talking about it, but that's kind of where my attention is right now is on these two particular projects. But at the same time, having said that I'm out there looking for other stuff because knowing that these could fizzle out, I don't want to spend two years pursuing them, them fizzle out and then have to start over from the ground up. I, I feel like you need to keep looking for stuff. So that way there's always a new opportunity to pursue. And I think if you can diversify it, then it, I think it'll help. You might also be right that if you just like, laser focused on just one project to keep pursuing it, then that might increase your chances. But my experience over the past 10 years has been whenever I've had laser focus on something, I put two to three years into it. And then I've come out on the other end regretting that I didn't put my time into other things at the same time. And uh, I felt like I could have done a lot more with my time. I mean, I guess I should qualify that by like, Saying that, you know, while putting the laser focus on the one project, I still intend to like work on small projects. And if I haven't done anything in in a year from now, then I'll I'll probably just want to make another short film or some other project just because, you know, I kind of feel like what you're saying, like being a director or being an artist, you know, you, you need to be producing, you know, it's like that that Steve Jobs quote, you know, like real artists ship, you know, so I kind of feel like. No, no matter what I'm working on, I also want to continue to to be creating. Pretty much neither of us have the answer because neither of us has, has made a feature film. So we're not saying by any means that we know how to get a feature film made. This is what we're doing. If you guys have other ideas, like please send us an email or a Twitter or something so we can maybe we can revisit this later and say, here's some other ideas that people had. I mean, I I don't know what the answer is. This is the tough thing to do. Like, I've been trying to do this for so long. In some ways, it almost feels like impossible. It's like people, you've heard people say it's a miracle when a movie gets made. And I totally agree. It's all the stars have to align, has to be the right moment. And even people that I know that have gotten funding on a film, like total funded. And then at the last minute, something falls through and the whole movie falls apart. I also recommend everyone should read Rebel Without a Crew, the Robert Rodriguez book about how he made El Mariachi, because it's so interesting to see how he approached that film and that he didn't have the expectation that it was going to be a success at all. Like he had very realistic expectations going into it. And it's really interesting to see uh, how much of his success story was like luck and timing um, and also just how much of it is just like his hard work and sacrifice and what he was willing to do to get that movie made. Like it's, it's amazing. 
I, I found it really eye-opening to how that whole thing worked because I had always heard the story from the outside and thought it had had unfolded in a different way. But then I realized it was kind of by accident that he found success through it. Yeah. So is, is your thing you learned this week to read Rebel Without a Crew? Is that your <laughs> advice? So my, yeah, my tip of the week is to read Rebel Without a Crew. Go get it now. It's awesome. I loved it. And, um, yeah, I mean, this isn't really me, anything I learned necessarily, but I listened to this really great episode of, uh, the script notes podcast last week with, um, what was it? Alex, uh, God, what's Alec Berg from Silicon Valley. Alex Berg. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that was an amazing episode and I learned a lot just listening to that. So, um, that's a good place to learn for other people listening to this. Yeah. Yeah, I like that podcast. Yeah, that's my that's they're my podcast gods. If I could be as good as them, then I know that I'm okay. <laughs> Maybe one day. They're like they're like on a episode 200 or something, right? Or yeah, they've been and... they've been doing it for a long time, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, we have a long time before we reach our 10,000 hours on this podcast and get really good at it. Yeah, we're not even at episode 10 yet, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the show, do us a favor and leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher or reach out to us. We're on Twitter. Uh, we have a Twitter handle for at MMIH podcast. And my Twitter hand- handle is at Timothy Plain. And my uh, Twitter handle is at Ulrich B. And uh, be sure to like our Facebook page as well. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Do you want to plug something this week? Um, no. I guess you can look up look up zombie versus drone. That's a, a video I directed last year. Oh uh, yeah, or, there yeah. You go. It's uh, it's got about twenty thousand hits right now, so it's it's doing all right. So uh, give it a give it a lot. That's lo- a good watch. one. Yeah, zombie versus drone. What about you, Timothy? Uh, I have a little bit of an underground thing that you can look up the Acid King music video for Red River that I released earlier this year. It's it's pretty cool. You should check that out. Boom, love it. All right, cool, dude. Have a good day. See ya. All right, see ya.